الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده بلا شريك لم يتخذ صاحبة ولا ولدا سبحانه إذا قضى أمرا فإنما يقول له كن فيكون وأشهد أن سيدنا وأولنا وهادينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله ما آتاكم الرسول فخذوه وما نهاكم عنه فانتهوا وما كان لمؤمن ولا مؤمنة إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيارة من أمرهم من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فهو على صراط مستقيم ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فهو في ضلال مبين أما بعد Dear committed brothers, ayyuhal mu'minun. We are approaching the week in which this Islamic center was virtually stolen. It was taken out of the responsibility of you and me and placed in the hands of those who, who to put it in a mild way acted in a criminal fashion I'm going to try next week to speak about this in some length at some length but now I'll try to put this in context this is obviously to a simple person this is a simple issue some Muslims want self-determination in their own masjid when they don't have it where it belongs 
This is not just a matter of some Muslims in Washington DC having some differences among themselves. It fits into a larger picture and let me explain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is a couple of ayat in the Quran that teach us and guide us as to how to run our own affairs. The first the first lesson from those ayat, one of them says, وَأَمْرُهُمْ shura بَيْنَهُمْ Their affair, meaning the affair of the committed Muslims, is a matter of shura among themselves. Shura has been rendered as consultation. It's more than consultation. It's a matter of give and take of opinions and judgments so that a final decision can be made. The other ayah says, وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ It's an order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to His Prophet. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his. To get them in, get them, meaning the committed Muslims, involved in deciding the outcome of a particular affair or issue. This process of shura concerns issues that are social, issues <coughs> that are military, issues that are political, and issues that can be considered economic. There used to be a call from the masjid to begin this shura deliberation among the Muslims. We no longer have that. No one stands as a mu'adhin and says, As-salatu jami'ah, which indicates to the listening Muslims that as-salah is a time of congregation and deliberation. This wasn't the adhan that begins with Allahu Akbar and ends with La ilaha illallah. It was another call for Islamic, for an Islamic congregation and meeting to decide on a particular issue that involves the lives of the Muslim the lives within the Muslim community and society. Now, this was practiced during the time of Allah's Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Okay. What happened to this shura after the Prophet passed away? It drifted away. 
the shura as it was practiced in the time of Allah's Prophet gradually began to disappear and it was virtually terminated when instead of having successors to Allah's Prophet we began to have kings and president uh, kings and then recently presidents and other chief types of chief executives <coughs> now there's some detail here that has to be explained when we come to Ashura. The Prophet passed away, okay? The first thing we would expect, and all of this, mind you, all of this has to do with the Islamic Center here, for those who need further information. When the Prophet passed away, it was expected that deciding an affair as who is going to be the leader of the Muslims becomes a matter of shura among the Muslims with Islamic principles with Quranic understanding with prophetic teachings this decision is a matter of shura among the Muslims we all know how whichever history books we go back to we all know that that did not happen in the to the extent that it was supposed to happen <clears throat> we're not going to cover the territory we're not going to go and revisit the information which we spoke about in previous khutbas as to what happened in that first day when the Prophet Allah's beloved was administered his last rites so to speak rites here is R-I-T-E-S not R-I-G-H-T-S I'm sorry I had to spell this out because as this khutbah goes to different places some people have a way of misunderstanding what we're saying <coughs> what happened was a quick decision was made to appoint a person from among the Muslims to lead the Muslims in the capacity of a chief decision maker commonly known as Khalifa now was this type of decision made with malice or was it made to keep the Muslims together some of the Muslims not a majority not even a considerable minority but some Muslims say that this decision was made out of malice the absence of good intentions the majority of Muslims say this was this decision was made to keep the Muslims together 
to further explain this, we we have to go beyond the historical Omar versus Ali or Ali versus Omar and Abi Bakr. It's this type of personalized characterization. You have to outgrow that. You have to look at the makeup of the Muslims on that day. There was what? I think, conservatively speaking, there was over a hundred thousand Muslims on that day when that decision was made. Were all of these people committed Muslims? Ideal Muslims? Paragon Muslims? Were they that type? The answer is no. The problem we have inherited for 1400 years that is haunting us in this Islamic center, the problem is some of us Muslims think they have the idea that most of these people, the 100,000 or so who became Muslims, and the overwhelming majority of them became Muslims in the final years when Islam became dominant. So some Muslims, and I'm avoiding the sectarian buzzwords, some Muslims consider the overwhelming majority, probably 90 to 99% of those Muslims to be hypocrites or munafiqeen. On the other hand, there are other Muslims who consider the overwhelming majority of this number of people, 90 to 99% to be Sahaba, Allah's Prophet's companions. Both of these opinions are not accurate. Those who were living at that time, and I'm talking about those individuals that we consider to have sacrificed with Allah's Prophet during his lifetime, they understood that most of these people are not munafiqs and most of these people are not sahabis. Something we don't understand. But they understood it. So what happened? We go back to the original question. What happened? Why was it, wasn't there a shura to determine who the leader of the Muslims is going to be? And what I mean here is a, a universal encompassing shura. I can't go back to the details of Yawm al which we 
tried to explain in previous khutbas, at least in a very intensive manner on a couple of occasions, in two previous khutbas, at least. But maybe to enhance your understanding, those who were in the Saqifah, in the absence of Imam Ali, and those who were washing the body of the Prophet and taking care of the funeral obligations prior to the burial, those who were in the Saqifah from the Muhajireen and Al-Ansar, these are honorific designations of the Muslims who were around the Prophet. No one was saying Sahaba at that time. No one was saying Ahl al-Bayt. These were Muhajireen and Ansar. They considered that day a day of emergency. In our language today, it was a day of emergency. Something has to be done before these Muslims who have come together around the Prophet begin to fall apart. And they were beginning to fall apart. Because in the last days of Allah's Prophet, there was this movement of breaking away from Al-Madinah, what is called the Ridda phenomenon, the renouncing of the centrality of Islamic leadership. So they get with something that in their minds, they thought to keep the Muslims together, something has to be done here, we can't wait. This is like a burning matter. That's how, that's how significant the internal threat was to this newly established Islamic authority and leadership in Al-Madina. So when they, in a hastily manner, when they did not honor the full extent of Ashura, they didn't do it out of malice, they didn't do it out of hatred, they didn't do it out of animosity, they did it to keep the Muslims together. And eventually, and then we had what we had in the following years until finally when the Umawi and Muawiyah types made their movement as destructive, as harmful as it was and continues to be up until our time, we the Muslims, whichever history books we are reading, we the Muslims have not had the honor and the full responsibility of instating this shura among ourselves. In other words, we have lost our self-determination. That's the bottom line. We lost our self-determination. And I'm going to avoid the buzzword because some people, I know some listeners are very allergic 
to certain words that are being used. So I'm going to avoid that. I don't want to cause an allergic reaction to the listener. So I ask those Muslims, and I, I'm not going to name them, I, just those, I'm going to ask those Muslims who in their history books think that what was done prior to the fourth Khalifa or Al-Imam Ali, what was done during that time period, if the Muslims in your mind were munafiqeen to the extent of 90 to 99% of them, that is proving the internal thoughts of Omar and Abi Bakr and Al-Muhajireen and Al-Ansar that if Al-Imam Ali was to become the leader of the Muslims we're going to have an internal Islamic civil war beginning the day the Prophet passed away. Your own reading of history proves it. But you just don't add one and one together to try to reach the logical result. Now, that's in our Islamic history. We lost Islamic self-determination and we were not permitted to have Islamic, at, at this very minuscule level, to have Islamic self-determination here in the masjid in Washington, D.C. In the Islamic context, some people, they carried with them this suspicion of history. Inside them, they have a very deep and troubling suspicion of those who don't come from their historical background they played out they exposed themselves initially and throughout all of these years we're talking about 36 years here now now this islamic center has another component to it this is the uh, i just spoke very briefly of an islamic background to it now let's look at the secular background. Forget about everything has to do with Islam. This country, its constitution, its bill of rights, its laws, they all guarantee freedom to choose, freedom to elect. Okay, the, the Americans and the legal residents who are Muslims in this country, and they were strictly looking at this from a secular perspective. They went inside the Islamic Center and they had an election. Undermine the word election in Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States of America. What happened as a result to that election? What happened is, after a year and a few months after that election, 
Muslims find themselves praying in the street. So if we look at the combination of the ignorance that we carry towards ourselves and the hostility that our adversaries carry towards us when we combine these together we see what has happened here our presence here is a rebirth of our islamic identity number one and number two it condemns those who sing the songs of freedom they say you're free to elect oh yes we are free to elect. we had our elections in the islamic center why were you not why weren't those elections honored why are we here in the street for 36 years and what happened to the other muslims who were around 36 years ago some of them may have passed away may allah's mercy be theirs some of them may have gone back to their countries of origin may allah be with them and support them in their lives and their responsibilities but those who are around here what happened to them what happened to them is they are the victims of their misreading of their own islam and they are also succumbing to the powers here that expelled muslims from the house of allah and they're watching now at a distance with the suspicions that they have in, in themselves the suspicions that can be traced to false history and false understanding of who we are once again allah says washawirhum fil amr and he says wa amruhum shura bainahum our complaint goes to he who has the power over all things in him we trust and according to him will be the results aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum ud'uhu subhanahu wa antum ala yaqin bil ijabah wa tubu ila allah inna allah tawwabun rahim الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed brothers and sisters it's obvious for anyone who is willing to use their minds that 
we are being chased by two opponents the ignorance inside ourselves and the enmity coming from those who don't belong to us they don't want khutbas to be relevant to be informative and to be in real time they don't want the following information what you're going to hear in this second khutbah right now they don't want any type of information like that to be expressed in any khutbas anywhere because they want us to think Islam is a matter of theory and a utopian idea and has nothing to do with practice and what is happening in our life on earth okay here is where the Muslim mind the Muslim mind that has been suffering from political ignorance and from social pertinent information yeah these are some of the points that we should look at with the information that comes to us from Allah and the teachings and guidance of his Prophet and the character of taqwa that we are required to renew or revitalize every Friday the future king of the Arabian kingdom of the Saudi family has gone on a tour of some countries in Southeast Asia he went to what is called the Islamic Republic of Pakistan and one of the results of that visit was that he said he is going to raise the quota and who's he to do this but this is what what's happening in real life he's going to raise the quota of Pakistani Muslims who go to the Hajj every year from 180,000 to 200,000 he did the same thing when he went to India he raised the number of Muslims who are going to Hajj from India from 136,000 a year to 161,000 pilgrims a year the first thing that should come to any Muslim's mind if this information ever makes it to the general public 
Who is he to tell Muslims we will permit this type of number to come or that type of number to come? Where did he get all of this from? This is playing out in front of our own eyes. Even though they are very careful with generalizing this type of information. I don't know if you heard about this or not, but this is one of the results of that visit. Another result of that visit is this king in the making, this prince, MBS, he decided all of a sudden he's going to release 2,107 Pakistani prisoners or detainees in the prisons of Saudi Arabia. What happened? I mean, he, there, there's no judicial, there's no legal process there that they go through to do something like that? Or is it, or is there a larger plan here? between Saudi Arabia and Pakistan. He also did the same thing uh, with Muslim Indians. Muslim or non-Muslim wasn't made clear. Indians who are in Pakistani jails, over 800 of them, I guess according to one news report, about 850 of them, are also going to be released from the detention centers, whatever they are, jails or prisons, in that kingdom as a result of this person's visit to that area. He visited both Pakistan and India. And then last week, there was last week or so, there was a meeting in Munich, a, a yearly security meeting that takes place, and Adil al-Jubair used to be the ambassador here, who has a hand in this crime, at the 36-year-old crime at the Islamic Center. He decided he was not going, he's going to skip the conference, as did his boss Netanyahu they both skipped that conference why did they do that they're afraid that someone's going to confront them with their anti-security strategies when MBS went to India one of the agreements there was that there's going to be coordination between Saudi Arabia and India, exchange of intelligence concerning terrorists. This is India, and that's Saudi Arabia. We wonder, those Muslims who live in that part of the area, or come from that part of the area, how are they reconciling this in their own minds? Especially those who consider Saudi Arabia to be some type of Islamic ruler, rulers. Is, it was agreed upon that a very high level committee would be established between Saudi Arabia and Pakistan, presided over by the king 
who is senile, and the Prime Minister of Pakistan, the newly elected Prime Minister of Pakistan, who is in dire need of the money that is in Saudi Arabia. That kingdom is running out of money. He said before it runs, probably in his internal thoughts, said before it runs out of money, I better get as much as I can to improve the conditions of my own people. Today from Al-Masjid Al-Haram in Mecca, the preacher there, one of his statements was, Allahumma alayka bil yahud al-sahayna al-muhtallin وَمَنْ شَايَعَهُمْ Oh Allah, take care, be against the Zionist Jews who are occupiers and those who agree with them. Now listen to the wording of this. The Zionist Jews who are occupiers Occupiers of what? The West Bank and Gaza? Are they occupiers or are they colonizers of the West Bank and Gaza and Palestine proper? And those who are with them, could he just add those who are with them means the regime in Saudi Arabia and those in the Gulf area and other regimes in that whole region. He doesn't have the frankness, the courage to say something like that. And it's like Bani Israel. Oh Allah, you take care of Al-Qawm Al-Jabbarin. He told Musa, Inna fiha qawman Jabbarin. I have nothing to do with this. You take care of this. You and your sustainer, you go do the fighting. We are staying put right here where we are. This imam in the haram sounds like an Israeli from the history of Bani Israel. And then private companies here in the United States, they have a project of building nuclear facilities in Saudi Arabia. How, how do you feel about that, Muslims? You're going to have nuclear facilities around Mecca and Al Medina. That probably is not going to be immediately around it, of course. But somewhere in that, in Jazeera Al Arab, right now, plans are to have nuclear for. American special interests to build nuclear sites in the land of the Quran and the Prophet. And then we have another news item coming out of that miserable kingdom. Two sisters, one 18 years old, the other 20 or 22 years old, have been held up in the airport in Hong Kong, according to some news reports, for five months. What do they want to do? They're running away from their family. Why are they running away from their family? Because they are mistreated as women, as daughters. What are we beginning to have a pattern here of Muslim women runaways from their families in that type of kingdom? You know, in this 
In the past couple of weeks, there was supposed to be a meeting of certain representatives, basically foreign ministers, from some of these countries, Saudi Arabia and Jordan and Bahrain and uh, the Emirat and Egypt and all of this. Everyone came to the meeting. This was in the Dead Sea area, Al-Bahr al-Mayyit. Everyone came there from these representatives, these countries. And then as they were about to begin the meeting, within the first 20 minutes, the meeting was called off. And this Adil Jubair, the one of the major makers and shakers of these Zionist imperialist policies, this Adil Jubair was contacted by his superiors. It's not the senile king. It's probably the CIA and Mossad and the rest of these now who are beginning to take control of that kingdom. This Netanyahu made in the past year four clandestine visits to four countries, four Arab countries. So we know who's in charge now of the land of Mecca and Medina in addition to Al-Quds. There are military exercises going on concerning the Gulf Cooperation Council. And Qatar, which is supposed to be at odds with these members, sent its military team to participate in these military exercises. What does that tell you? You see, brothers and sisters, this is a simple issue of Islamic self-determination here in a masjid. We are not officials, we are not ministers, but we are Muslims. And we have a masjid and an Islamic center. And you can see, if they don't let us have self-determination in our masjid, they're not going to let us have, self, have self-determination in our countries. And when this MBS went to Saudi Arabia, he was given some type of gilded gun, a gun that its chamber is made or its handle is made out of pure gold. The Zionists, now we take a, because the criminals in colonized Palestine are like the criminals in colonized Arabia. No difference. Don't be fooled. Someone goes into a masjid and another one goes into a synagogue. Don't be fooled by that. Their rituals are trying to cover up their crimes. The Zionists now are withholding hundreds of thousands of documents concerning their crimes. Their crimes in Kafar Qasim and Deir scenes are still cla- is still classified material. Why can't they come clean? Because they know they are criminals. The Zionists have come out at least in the Hebrew University, Al-Jami' Al-Ibriyah, and they said in their academic circle 
that their ministry of health, they confessed that their ministry of health has six, over 6,000 experiments with dangerous viruses on Palestinian prisoners. Does that relate to our Islam? If we mention something like this in a khutbah, does it relate to our morality? What is our moral responsibility? If someone hears something like that and we say, Some Muslims, a non-governmental organization, an NGO in Morocco, Al-Maghrib, has called for a day of rage today, Friday, against the Zionists. Shouldn't this be amplified and all Muslims know about this? Or are you going to hear this? You come to this khutbah, you may hear it at the khutbah. Where else are you going to hear about it? Dar al-Ifta' al-Misriyah, the fatwa agency of the Egyptian government has come out with a statement. It says that al-Ikhwan al-Muslimin are the khawarij of our age. And then their words, I'm not bringing this from myself. They said, وَقِتَالُهُمْ أَعْلَى مَرَاتِبِ الْجِهَادِ And to fight against them is the highest degree of jihad. It seems like Dar al-Fatwa al-Misriya agrees with some other Muslims who consider, you know, I'm not here to defend their mistakes. They have mistakes left and right. And unfortunately, they are paying very dearly for their mistakes. You may have heard, this made it in the news, and you may have heard this. The day before yesterday, or was it yesterday, nine of these individuals were in court and sentenced to be hung, and they were hung yesterday. And one of them spoke to the judge. He said to the judge, I will encounter you, I will see you on the day of judgment. You know this is not what you are, the judgment you passed against us is not right. You know that. The judge told him, but you confessed. And the whole issue had to do with the assassination of one of the ministers in Egypt some years ago. He said, you confess to, the judge tells the, the Muslim speaker there, one of the nine, but you confess to that. He said, yes, I confess to that because they put me in a room and they electrocuted me to the point where I had nothing else to say to save my life. He told the judge, let me take you into a room and elect, electrocute you, you would confess that you killed a Sadat because of the persecution you're subjected to. The type of electricity they used on us, these are his words, the type of electricity they used on us would electrify Egypt for 20 years. 
And we have some Muslims because of their historical bias. They can't be fair. Tell the Ikhwan al-Muslimin, you are wrong here. And you have to be corrected. But you're not terrorists. You're not American agents. It's very easy to blow things out of proportion. To have the Egyptian government agreeing with some others who are on the Islamic side of the issue when they should know better. A good news in all of this, the demonstrator, there's a, uh, an entrance to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa called Bab Al-Rahmah, the Gate of Mercy. Since 2003, that gate has been under Zionist control. The demonstrations the Muslims had this week liberated that entrance from Zionist control. Zionist settlers, they called settlers, Zionist, Zionist colonialists, they just entered into a house in Al-Quds belonging to a Palestinian family and expelled that family from its home. And these so-called settlers were watched by Zionist policemen and security. They were just looking at this crime in the making. Of course, in their own calculations, their control of this entrance was an incremental step to try to take control of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. The foreign minister of Oman says that Israel is a state in the Middle East. Once again, he tells us and he tells the world that Israel is a state when we all the Muslims in the world disagree with him. Then there is news out of the Hebrew press, or rather TV, that Netanyahu, the colonialist, Zionist war criminal, met with the foreign minister of Morocco. Brothers and sisters, these types of news developments, just in the past week, why should they not be in the minds and in the conscience of all Muslims everywhere. Why do we accept those Muslims who have fled the area of self-determination? If you see them, try to remind them, فَذَكِّرْ إِنَّ الذِّكْرَى تَنْفَعُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ As I said, inshallah, next week's khutbah, we will try to saturate this issue of why we are out here in the street. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'ah wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ajtinaabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama Allahumma ilayka nashku dha'fa quwatina وقلة حيلتنا 
وهوانا على الناس يا أرحم الراحمين أنت ربنا وأنت رب المستضعفين فإلى من تكلنا إلى غريب يتجهمنا أم إلى عدو ملكته أمرنا إن لم يكن بك علينا غضب فلا نبالي ولكن عافيتك هي أوسع لنا نعوذ بنور وجهك الذي أشرقت له الظلمات وصلح عليه أمر الدنيا والآخرة من أن تنزل بنا غضبك أو تحل علينا صختك لك العتبى حتى ترضى ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بك اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وصل وسلم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعما يعظكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة